Welcome to They That Hope with Father Dave and Bob seeing humor and hope in a crazy world. Even though it's Lent, we're still hopeful. Yeah, and it's still crazy. <laughs> Amen. And I'm Bob. I'm Father Dave. And we're really grateful for you watching, listening, just being a part of our conversation today. Yeah. And uh, it's a beautiful day. It's a wintry day here in Steubenville, Ohio. It is. It is a lot of snow. Yeah, as it is in many places in the country. Actually, I just came from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, what? Yeah, I was there for four days, and it was not snowy. It was 75 and sunny every day. What were you doing in Phoenix? Visiting fam or? Well, I, I, yeah, because I was there. But I was uh, speaking at a conference, uh, conference in a, just a really wonderful community. It's called City of the Lord uh, Community. Oh, yeah, right. Community. And just... Really, really faithful, good, good people. So I was able to spend a day with them and speak, give a couple of talks. But then while I was there, yeah, met with uh, Eric Westby, sure. uh, a great a great brother here at the university, and some um, board of trustees members, and mom and dad, and brother and sister. Wow. And Yeah, it was great. That was a whirlwind. The I weather get... was great, though. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 75 and sunny. Just beautiful. That's awesome. I got to spend the week with a number of folks in Young Life. Uh, I was Originally, it was going to be in Colorado. It became a Zoom thing. Uh, and there's about 40 or right, 50. For, for those who maybe don't know what Young Life is. Yeah. So Young Life is an evangelical youth ministry outreach. It's actually the largest one of it, the largest in the world, a really beautiful ministry. The goal is they want to reach the farthest out kid. They want to reach the unchurched kid, the kid that's never heard the gospel. Of course, along their way, they reach a lot of other kids. And then their, their goal is if they find a kid in a faith community, they want to send them back to that community. And it's primarily evangelical, so they often have trouble getting Catholic kids back into the Catholic faith community, partly because they just don't know people in the Catholic community, they don't know the language, and so they brought me in for a whole week of training to just help explain different ways to engage Catholic families, to connect with Catholic parishes and dioceses. Uh, they're they're just wonderful men and women who just simply want to bring young people to Christ and get them into the right place. And uh, I was blessed by that when I was right. younger. I was uh, that was an experience that I had, and I think I was a great example of the ideal of their mission, which would be they found a Catholic kid, they got me psyched about Jesus, and even when I asked, I'm like, should I still be Catholic? They're like, yeah, you should go. And, yeah, they, yeah. and they, they never remotely pulled. Now, I know depending on places in the country and, of course, periods in history, Young Life is predominantly volunteer. And so it certainly has happened that there are places in the country and people that have told a kid, no, you don't want to be Catholic. Go to this other church. That's not the mission of international Young Life, right? But it certainly has happened, and I I know some people have had negative experiences with that. So it was really great. They're, they're taking it very seriously. That's cool. And they just, uh, you know, they, they just want to do their thing, which is preach the gospel and then get them into a faith family. I did some training for them. Uh, actually, it's been a number of years ago now when I was in Europe, living in Europe. Yeah. And, and honestly, it was a great experience. They Basically, exactly the same thing. They asked me to, <clears throat> excuse me, come in and just talk about how do you minister to Catholics. And it was really, I, I actually like doing that group yeah. because they're, when, when you talk about Jesus and you can kind of shatter their ideas of, <laughs> of what, they, you know, they thought I was going to come in with, right. with incense and, and draped with rosaries. And, yeah. and we got to, we talked about all that. And we were yeah. very honest about that because that is obviously a part of our faith. But 
we also talked about our love for Christ and, yeah. and desire Shared to be transformed. Mission. Yeah, exactly. So. One of the things I loved, uh, we've mentioned the book previously, but there was a group called Evangelicals and Catholics. It was um, a conversation that happened together. And there was actually, at least among many evangelicals, it was stating, like, we feel like we have more in common with Catholics than many other Protestant denominations, at least in terms of mission and history and just all of those elements. So it was, uh, it was great. It was, it felt like kind of being back in RCIA, you know, I don't know if you've ever had the chance to teach in RCIA, but they ask you questions you just never think about, right? Like, Mm. I mean, we just grow up Catholic. And so, uh, you know, why do you guys say everything in Latin, you know, and you know, what's purgatory? And I was trying to explain, um, I lost him at the Immaculate Conception. They, I, you could just see the glazed look on Zoom, like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I'm just, uh, you know, it was nice. There's no arguments. I'm just trying to explain. And for me, what I was at least trying to propose was the plausibility of a disciple of Jesus Christ having a devotion to Mary, uh, believing in a place like purgatory, uh, you know, trusting the teachings of the magisterium and the Pope. I was like, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything, but I think for some of them, they just, you know, some of the Protestant concerns about Catholicism is, well, that just doesn't sound right. Like right. that sounds like you're preaching a different gospel or it's not Christian. And um, thankfully, we were able to be together and worship and share and witness. And I hope it was a blessing to him. I mean, many, many at the end were, were saying it was really an experience, a great experience. Uh, a couple of years ago where I was invited to an evangelical college university mm. and it was actually, it was really fun. They, they have prayer service every morning and they allowed me to preach. And then I went in and sat in some of their theology classes. And as would always be the case, we got on the topic of the Blessed Mother. And I was so impressed this, with one of the professors because we were just talking about, you know, just from Scripture, I'll take a look at, at Luke and, and the role that she has in, in, in the Gospel of Luke. And he said, you know, he goes, my concern is in our desire to make sure that we're not Catholic. You know, we are not Catholic. Yeah. And we don't think that we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. You know, he just he was really honest about the role that our Blessed Mother has and that she was a significant character in the Gospels. And yet you never talk about her. <laughs> and I mean, you just kind of right. just gloss over this because you don't want to, quote unquote, become, you know, say that person's Catholic or not. But So the class was myself and a uh, evangelical theologian from Bethel out in California. And he went first, and I'm so glad he did, because he was able to say challenging statements like that to his yeah. fellow evangelicals and fellow Protestants. You know, he, he, he opened the door with, you have to realize most of our negativity about Mary is not about Mary, it's about Catholicism. Yeah. And we have to open our eyes and we have to just accept what scripture says. And now he was like, now I'm not saying we accept everything the Catholic church teaches about Mary, but she is the first disciple and she, uh, she should have more reverence and appreciation in the life of faith. than I think sometimes we give her credit for, it was just a, it was honest. Like it was, it, it was opening our heart. It was focused on mission. And, you know, Father Dave, I feel like when we, you know, like ecumenism for its own sake, sometimes I, I feel like isn't very effective, you know, like, so let's just get together. Why? So we can get together. You know, it's like having this awkward conversation of like, well, we're supposed to be together. So let's do that. Ecumenism focused on mission, I find to be very effective. The pro-life movement is a mm-hmm. great example of that. Like we're at a, we're on mission together. And that really forces us to have the conversations and also lets us see each other in a new light. When we're both on fire with the same mission, 
we have a commonality. We have we have something to build with. I think of our uh, moment that we had a, a few months ago at Franciscan, uh, bringing everybody to pray for our country. Like it's a moment of mission. It's not let's be let's do ecumenism just for ecumenism's sake. And by the way, I think that's actually a pretty valid thing to do. But it seems to be more effective when there is a mission involved. We are we are all concerned for our country, no matter what. Christian denomination we are and we want to worship. Same with Young Life. We are concerned about the salvation of young people and the fact that they're lost. And and I think the more that we focus on mission and the more we realize that that mission involves our brothers and sisters, our separated mm-hmm. brothers and sisters that are in the body of Christ, but, you know, the broken body of Christ, I, I think the more we'll be able to head towards unity, which is really what our Father desires. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Speaking of our Father desiring things... He desires us to suffer. Does he? Well, maybe not. But it is Lent. It is. And uh, I'm sure you and I, this will be a constant theme for the next few weeks. But as we get into the conversation, I just want to begin by letting you know of this wonderful resource, Lent 2021, a collection of resources and inspiration for Lent, brought to you by... Franciscan University of Steubenville. This Franciscan University website features devotions, videos, and in-depth spiritual reflections. I'm not one of those. I wouldn't be the in-depth part. I'd be kind of the quirky, shallow reflection. Yeah. And that's available, of course, on my own YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, you'll also find a St. Joseph Lent page. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, Lenten wallpapers and the daily live streaming mass from Franciscan University. And as we move deeper into Lent, you'll want to check out The Seven Last Words of Jesus, uh, a series of videos by Father Dave and his brother Friars. So please deepen your spiritual journey during this penitential season by logging on to Lent 2021. We have our own website, franciscan.edu slash Lent. That's franciscan.edu slash Lent. Do you like Lent? No. I love Lent. Do you really? Yeah, I think it's probably my favorite season. Is it? The, yeah, I'd say it's my favorite right after Advent, Christmas, Easter, Easter and ordinary Pentecost. time. You don't like Pentecost? Pentecost isn't a season. It's no, a I know, but day. just you want to throw it in there. How can you not speak of significant days in the church and not think of Pentecost? You are a beautiful man. Yeah, thanks. Um, no, I love. I, it, it's, I think it's probably, it was, honestly, it was a season that my family really I don't know, I was going to say took seriously, but yeah, yeah, we really did. It was something that we, and that's what I would encourage those who are listening, and that it is a family experience, and mm-hmm. to really make that the case. So I've always loved Lent. Um, I like the uh, the challenge of it, especially when I was younger. It's like, yeah. you know, why are you doing that when you're in high school? Why are you doing that? And to be able to just kind of give a little bit of a witness, and it's kind of it's kind of baked in. You don't feel like you have to be put on the spot or anything like that. But the thing is, is the Lent itself, the word itself means like springtime growth and that kind of thing. And that's what I really see. Is that right? Actually, I I never heard that before. Yeah, yeah, It means springtime? Um, New spring, something. Yeah, springtime, new beginning, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's one of the things is that often, it's funny that you said that Lent and suffering, and yet the word itself is a new beginning, something new, something is happening. Hmm. And I, I did a little uh, reflection that came out today as well. Notice how I said that today, even though it's not really today. I'm so proud of Thanks. you. And Appreciate that. we just broke the wall of reality I, I it, by I acknowledging it, it, but we'll just keep going. But um, one of the things I talked about is people are going to ask us, why are we doing things? And our general response is because it's Lent. 
my the thing is, is I think if the only reason we're doing it's because it's Lent, <laughs> we're probably missing something. I remember yeah. uh, a friend who. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, you see, he was going through some hard times, and, he, and I said, "Well, <laughs> well, the thing is, is I said, uh, what are you gonna? I don't, I don't want to call him out, but I said, what are you gonna do for Lenny?' He goes, well, I'm gonna quit getting drunk, and I'm gonna quit fooling around with my girlfriend. All these and say, okay, that's great. Yes, but it's probably a good idea to make decisions to do that just because it's it's the right thing to do. Right. But that's the and thing. By the is, way, by friend, that wasn't me. Okay, just to the listeners, that wasn't me. You know how sometimes you're like, I have a friend. Yeah, it was you though. Darn it. No, um, <laughs> the, yeah, but um, the thing is, is, is all of these things are supposed to change us, right? So if we're just doing things because it's Lent, we're not going to be any different on 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 Easter Sunday, right? That we do it because we want to be a better uh, a better father, a better husband, uh, a better disciple. I want to be holy. This is ultimately what has to motivate us, not merely, oh, it's Lent. I'm going to check this off my list, and now that it's Easter, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. Yeah, I would say I should like Lent more than I do, but I, I'm honest. I just I just don't like Lent. But I love what Lent does. Yeah. Like um, somebody told me once, and I've really uh, I've experienced this in my, in my life, the, the better, quote-unquote better, right, the more focused we are in Lent, the greater Easter that we have. And, um, and that's something I really, that there's that one statement shifted Lent for me, like Lent leads us into Easter. Mm -hmm. You know, you're climbing up the mountain, you know, it's preseason, you know, it's, it's that moment of, all right, yeah, tough, sure, penitential, sure, but eyes on Easter. And I think the more in my own life that I've invested into times of penance and into the spirit of Lent, I've had a more joyful uh, Easter celebration and some of the entire Easter season. And the contrary thing, when I've kind of wimped out on Lent, I've just entered into Easter like, yay, you know, and yeah. it's not it's not that big of a deal. And so I would say that, I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? Like just like you wouldn't have Advent without Christmas, you wouldn't have Lent without Easter. And there's a bigger picture of what's happening in salvation and what's happening in our own lives. And so... I don't like it, but I do. I like the effects it. of it. I get it, it. Right, right. Yeah, you know, but I would never actually come out loud and say like, oh, Lent, it's great. You know what else I don't like about Lent? This this actually is the thing I, I like the least about Lent. The music. Really? Oh, dude. I love, I love Advent music. I love Christmas music. I love Easter music. Even like Ordinary Time is cool. Wow. Oh Lord, throughout these forty days, we fast and suffer and we die. That's not the words, but that's the vibe of it. It's like, and then they don't do music at the end. You know, like they're like that's a lot of places. They're just like we're just going to walk out in silence, which kind of is actually most masses. It's just there's not an underscoring yeah, of yeah. music going on in the background. And I guess it's supposed to bug me. I mean, maybe that's it. Like it's, it's but, supposed to be jarring. I'm jarred. There you go. I'm jarred. It. I. I be jarred. Yeah. 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 So, but praise be Jesus. Yeah. I actually. I some of some of the Lent, again. One of the things it's I love about being Catholic is you you move into the season and there is something about the hymns that I don't know. It's it's reminiscent of the past, but it's also okay. This time is different. And, yeah. And that's what it's supposed to do, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be different. And I don't know how music works as far as like the the cadence and all those kinds sure. of things, but there's something. a lot of minor chords. Okay, going okay, on yeah, in, that, in that, that, that's yeah. I'm not sure, but and it and it does 
God willing, it does what it's supposed to do, that, that it jars us, something different. Yeah. We're entering something different. It's changed. And, and yeah, I, I've, always, I've always absolutely loved it. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, yeah. well, we'll keep sharing our very different experiences. There you go. There you go. There <laughs> as you long go. as we end up at Easter together, I think we'll we be in, we in great shape. Hey, what's going on with um, uh, putting ashes? Well, this isn't something that you would experience. Ashes in my hair. So uh, not, I guess it might be different in different places in the right. country. Right. Uh, and maybe it's a little bit different at Franciscan than the diocese. I know at our parish, it was, no, no, we're not going to, no, no touchy. You know, no, well, no ash a, yeah, on the forehead, yeah. just sprinkling well, it's interesting. on this the was, hair. This was a, an, an option that came out to us, I don't know, probably about a month ago about how to give the ashes, particularly obviously because of, of COVID yeah. and, and where we are. So one of the options was... Has there been a lot of like studies done of the transmission of COVID through fingers and ashes? I believe there has. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's follow, how... follow the science, <laughs> Bob. Follow the science. <laughs> Um, be that as it may, you know, it was interesting because we had, we, <laughs> I talked to the bishop actually just a few days ago about this and, and I said, well, bishop, we've had a lot of conversations about this in the friary and he kind of chuckled and goes, I'm sure you have, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, that was the question is, is how, how should the ashes be given? And, and that's obviously how you chose to do it in your parish. Yeah. Um, we chose uh, a little different. I didn't have a choice in the matter. A little way, different but option. Yes, yes. But here, here's the thing, though. So it's funny. I was in Arizona, and in the, in the break, somebody came up to me. Hey, we heard that they're just going to, like, sprinkle ashes on top of our head. We're not even going to go. Is this valid? Can we do this? It's like, <laughs> I actually had several people, now that I think about it, talk to me about that. Um, so, yeah, that's – but here's the thing that's really, really funny is, yeah, Sometimes we we see the church as just what we do here in the United States or or what we do in our parish. So a number of years ago when I was living in Europe uh, in charge of our study abroad program in Gaming, Austria, we were in Rome as we go every semester. Mm -hmm. And we were there for Ash Wednesday. And I said, you know, why don't we just go be with the local church, you know, and do what they do rather than us just kind of doing our own thing. So we went – to St. John Lateran uh, Mm -hmm. for Ash Wednesday, which was just fantastic. You know, there was, the church was packed and there was probably, a cardinal uh, led the mass and probably 60 priests, okay? Mm, Wow. Here was part of the problem though. The cardinal was the only one who uh, gave out ashes. Oh. Oh yeah. I don't speak Italian, but I'm pretty sure I knew what the priests around (laughs) me were saying. Seriously, it took an hour and a half, probably an hour, 45 minutes just to give ashes. All of that is to say how they do ashes is they sprinkle. Really? Yeah, the the, the penitentious comes up and the cardinal would take a few ashes and just sprinkle it over the person's head. Huh. So when people were saying, you know, I can't believe this, and we've never, well, right, that's not what we do here. But that's but what that's is what, done in other yeah, places. Yeah, in, in other places it is absolutely what's done. Right. Yeah. But I prefer, <laughs> I love this, I love to be able to put ashes. There's just some really things that I love about it. And, and the bigger the cross, like I want you just everybody, do it. yeah. Right. Everybody to recognize. Well, for, for those of us with hair, uh-huh. like having ashes on our head is going to be strange. Like you, yeah, you know, whatever. it's not going to make any difference. No, yeah, I'm just going to rub them in. You could, you yeah. could do like a whole Avatar: Last Airbender arrow thing going with your head. It looks really sharp. I was going to do. Yeah, that that's was a reference everybody will get. Yeah, that's. Um, what do you do with uh, like religious? I mean, like with sisters and habits. Well, that's one of the things. Is, is is that exactly right? One of the things I was talking about the bishops was the sisters who were asking about that. Okay. So I don't I don't know what everyone else is going to do. Generally on campus, we are giving ashes directly on the forehead, oh, like okay. like normal. Well, there yeah, you go. Yeah. yeah. So that's great. 
And um, yeah, I've never actually ashed somebody. I think that's probably something. Is that just something the priest does? No, or no, no. You, huh? you have a lot of stations. It's kind of like, so someday I could ash Yeah, somebody. I wouldn't be surprised once you're ordained. That, that, is that something that, you get to practice, like ash art? No, no, no. There is that one funny meme, though, about, you know, how you can tell a lot about the priest by how he puts on ashes. You know, he's OCD <laughs> or he's like get in a, a hurry. Get a stencil out, yeah, no, you know, and just put it in the head. And, you know, it's like the, the San Damiano ash. You know, that would really, be really, really impressive. Things, there's some funny things about that. That'd be awesome. Well, um, one of the things I loved about uh, your the Lent EDU pages, there's a whole St. Joseph Lent page, which is wonderful. Obviously, we're in the year of St. Joseph. And a shout-out plug today uh, for a beautiful book that I just started, Consecration to St. Joseph by Father Don Calloway, Uh, just a wonderful priest, and uh, he's an MIC. And he wrote this great book. K-E-Y? Huh? K-E-Y. M-O-U-S-C. And he wrote this great book called uh, Consecration to St. Joseph. If uh, today being Ash Wednesday... If you get the book and start it right away and like kind of go through the first two days really quick, you can catch up by <laughs> the Feast of St. Joseph. That is so you. It is, but it doesn't matter. Like as long as you start it and do it, like it's just great. And it's a wonderful reflection, I think, in this year of St. Joseph uh, to read through that. It's very complimentary to the uh, consecration to our Blessed Mother, you know, the the Marian consecration by Louis de Montfort. I actually, it's a pretty thick book. I had an interview with him for an upcoming deacon podcast. And one of the one of the questions that he laughed at is I said, I said, Father Don, this is pretty thick. Is Father Mike Gallagher, is, uh, uh, oh. Father Mike Gately. Yes. Yeah. Is Father Mike Gately going to do the short version of this anytime soon? Because I don't know if I want to read this whole yeah, thing. Yeah. And, and we, we guffawed together. Good. We had a good guffaw. Good. Good. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Amen. So we've got a scripture, and then maybe we'll just talk a little bit about specifics about Lent. Yeah, that sounds Prayer, great. Prayer, fasting, mm-hmm. and almsgiving. Ooh. Yep. So let's you, not give. I let's not. Let's not glasses. do it all today. Though. I don't have my glasses. We, we've so got. I'll we've got. We've got six weeks. We got to drag this out. Today's reading comes. It's actually one of my favorites. It's from the book of Habakkuk. Uh, I don't know if you've read the book of Habakkuk. Uh, I, I, in my scripture class, I always try to tell people like, I want somebody to name a kid Habakkuk. Why wouldn't you? Little, little cookie. I It'd like be that. adorable. I like that. It'd be adorable. Happy. Yeah, there you go. Happy cookie. That's, anyway. it's a good thing I didn't have kids. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I would, oh my gosh. Habakkuk um, is a really, I actually go to Habakkuk um, when I'm in times of struggle or when I know people who are in very difficult times, it's three chapters. Habakkuk is watching the destruction of Jerusalem. I mean, he's watching it un, you know, right before his eyes, and he just can't believe what he's watching. It just is astounding. He just can't imagine that this is happening. And he's crying out to the Lord and having this conversation with the Lord, like, Lord, what is going on? And at one point, the Lord says to Habakkuk, um, you know, wait for it. My vision does not disappoint. Yeah, what you're seeing right now is horrible. Um, but, uh, I, you know, at the end result, you will not be disappointed in it. And so the chapter, the book ends with a beautiful uh, commitment of faith where he writes, though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit appears on the vine, though the yield of the olive fails and the terraces produce no nourishment, Though the flocks disappear from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, 
and exult in my saving God. God, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet swift as those of deer and enables me to tread upon the heights. And just a great statement of, I'm going to, I'm not just going to exult in the Lord in a difficult time. I'm going to rejoice in the midst of everything looking uh, as dismal as it possibly could be, uh, finding that jumps from the Lord. I'm always, so it's, it's one of the, it's one of the uh, psalms or canticles, rather, that we read, mm-hmm. I, I believe, in one of the morning prayer offerings. And every time I get to that, I'm always just so inspired, uh, just inspired by that. There's a song. Do you remember Vineyard Ministry? Yeah, sure, so there was sure. a song uh, that they used to do, taken from that text, that was just, yeah, just really, really beautiful. Is there any forgiveness for things I've done? Yep. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. I, and, and I think it, it kind of sets the stage for for Lent and, and what it's about is, is this time of we need to be careful about just kind of looking at ourselves. I think we have a danger at times that we just become pretty self-consumed about. But what Lent does, it invites us to be able to take a step back and take a look at our life. And, and we do this, and this is really key. People will ask, you know, what should I do? The first thing we should do is really, I think, desire to have a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because yeah. the Holy Spirit is really going to be the one that's going to animate our Lent and yeah. allows us to look into our heart and allows us to penetrate our heart and to be able to see our heart. And then in that, being able to discover the Lord in the presence of of the journey. And that's one of the things I always tell people is that, is that we ought not jump to Easter, you know, just just stay where we are. And, and again, if, if we go with the understanding of Lent, this a lot before spring, like there's things that are actually going on right now that we yeah. can't see, that we're not aware of. And that's that's really what this season is about, is being able to stop, be a little bit more quiet, be a little bit more still. I remember when Benedict was uh, the Holy Father, and he talked about in the light of the new evangelization, he talked about this idea of a new interiority hmm. is that is that he was there was this invitation to Catholics to really begin to not necessarily begin but well for some people begin to develop an interior life and and that if I were to say like what what would be the one thing you would focus on during Lent that would be it that to the degree that our interior life and our prayer life and our st- silence and stillness and and I totally get with the vast majority of people out there that that's really hard because their life is busy and yeah. there's just so many things going on. And the danger is that we only do these things when we have time to do them. And it's got to be a priority. And that's really what Lent invites us to do is, is to take a look at our life and take a look at our spiritual life and to be able to uh, allow the Lord to be present in us, be present to him. So if there were one thing I think that people should think about as they're beginning their Lent, what does it look like for you to have a greater interior life and and being still? And and really allowing the Holy Spirit, just this image of the Holy Spirit allowing you to see you and to see your heart, to yeah. see it as it is. I can't imagine a better sacrifice that we can give to the Lord than time. And, yeah. you know, as um, uh, you know, I, when I was in youth ministry talking to young people about what to fast from and, and now even doing more of a young adult ministry here on campus and having these conversations, I always I always just try to throw that in there. I, I think... Um, you know, particularly in a in a workaholic America, our time is one of our greatest assets, our greatest value. We're very cautious about our time. We're very protective of our time, and yet, giving time to the Lord. I mean, some of it is we just don't give the Lord space to work in our life. You know, give space to speak in in our life, and uh, you know that for me has always been such a key thing. Just trying to block out. You know, I try to block out an hour every day of just prayer time. And even even when I'm 
I kind of get 40 minutes in and I feel like I'm done, you know, because I did my prayer, you know, I, I did my office and this reading and other stuff. And I'm always really tempted to be like, okay, so we're good, right? And I just try to sit, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do something or maybe I'll just try to sit in silence for those additional 20 minutes. But it's always at the end that I really feel like the blessing comes. Yeah, like yeah. I, it's almost, it's almost like I just Pushing need, through. I just need detox time of the world. And the fruit really comes at the end of those moments where I feel a stillness and I feel a connectedness yeah. to the, to the Lord. And that's so, so essential in our spiritual life. So not like we ever go on a tangent, but let's go there for the movie. Did you ever see the movie? I think it's called in time with Justin Tim- Timberlake. No, I didn't. It's a really, it's a futuristic movie, but the, it's interesting. Like everyone, these people, everyone has this little counter on their arm okay. and it's time and everything is dealt in time. There's no currency. Time is a currency. So if you get a job, you get paid 30 minutes. Hmm. And if it goes down to zero, 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 you, you die. die. Oh, wow. Right. right. But then there's like people who are rich that have, you know, a, a million years and that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Yeah. Just really an interesting, interesting idea about time because we we make time like it's ours. And I think your point and what you're alluding to is, is that it isn't ours, yeah. right? Everything that I have is the Lord and my time is the Lord. But I find at times I'm selfish. Uh, I'm stingy with my time. It's my time or somebody interrupts me, you interrupt my time. I think, yeah, just that's a good thing even to reflect on today. How do we see time and, and how do we see that of the Lord? You know, we tithe People are invited to tithing money. Well, what about time? And what does it mean that we tithe some of our time for the Lord? Yeah, yeah, offering that up. That's been a huge, huge blessing for me, I can tell you. Of all the things I ever gave up for Lent, it was years ago, decades ago probably. But I thought, I'm just going to put half an hour aside and really be committed to that. And the Lord has expanded that as I've gotten older. But yeah, better than soda or Bacon, oh, bacon, That's always, that was tough. But at least more fruitful, <laughs> at least yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah. that. You know? well, one, of these, one of these podcasts will talk about the most difficult things we've ever done for sure. Lent. Maybe that's that'll... something that keep, keep people, that are, that's why they'll come back. That's, that's why they come back. That's why that, they come it's back. the cliffhangers. They, they wish they could give up on us, but then yeah, they but go, they oh, I need to know Just what, when I what thought I got is. out there pulling me back in. You know, the other uh, scripture verse that inspires me during a time such as Lent is the phrase that God loves a cheerful giver. And that ties also into what we just read in Habakkuk, like rejoicing, you know, that um, that it, the Lord, you know, I was kind of joking about suffering and those are some of the stereotypes and, and it's sometimes what I feel in Lent. But um, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, you know, as we look towards what we're offering to the Lord, there should be a joy in our heart about it. And I would, I would almost say if you're not joyful, if you're just miserable about it, then maybe this isn't a great thing to yeah, to yeah. be giving to the Lord, yeah. that God doesn't desire. You know, sometimes I, th- I think we go to extremes, right? There's a phrase, when I was in Germany, I heard this phrase, um, and it was in German, so it was extremely long, and it sounded aggressive. But it essentially was what the devil can't stop, he accelerates, which is to say the devil doesn't want us to do anything holy, but when we decide to do something holy, then he's going to try to push, 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 push. And I see that. I've seen that in my own life and in others' life when it comes to fasting. I don't fast at all. Uh, but now I think I should fast. What should I fast from? Everything. Right, yeah. And sometimes people begin the season of Lent with like this huge list of I'm just going to do all these things as if we're earning, right. you know, earning, you know, we're trying to earn our salvation as opposed to giving a joyful gift of sacrifice 
to the yeah, Lord. Yeah, I go back. St. Francis, do, do a few things and do them well. I, I think sometimes we set ourselves up for failure at the beginning of Lent and just have these million things that we're supposed to do. Uh, a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah, a couple of things. Pick them. Uh, and, and like you said, if if some people feel they can never reevaluate during Lent. It's like, well, I, well, no, reevaluate. Ask yourself in a week or two. It's, it's a friend of mine does something really interesting. She starts something new every week because oh. she finds after a week or so it's easy to do. You know, once yeah. that, that initial, you, know, you just kind of go with it. And so she's always kind of beginning. And I thought that was an interesting. That's the way she did it. There's no rules, right? Right. Except for Friday, but we'll deal with that later. Yeah, we will. But that's, I think, a great message to leave with as we start this Lenten journey together. And as you have a list of things you might fast from or whatever you're doing, um, think about time. Uh, think about what are, the, what are the things we can do that will really bear fruit in our interior life, mm-hmm. you know, not just an exterior thing. Uh, this is a great opportunity, and there's a grace in this season of conversion. And I think it's always beautiful to swim in the graces of the various seasons. Conversion is the grace of this time. Uh, maybe give him your time. Uh, maybe rethink of what you're sacrificing. Ask the Lord for a joyful heart to rejoice, even if everything in your life. I mean, some of you are feeling like you've been on a self-imposed Lent for a long time. Actually, when 2020 broke out, a friend of mine who isn't Catholic or Christian, he said, so this is what Lent feels like. <laughs> you know, like you just knew like, boy, this sucks. This must be Lent. And yet there's a rejoicing in that. And certainly on the journey, uh, the next few weeks, I'm sure we will continue to come back to the many graces and blessings of this time. Amen. So Amen. Start us off on this journey with a Heavenly with Father, a blessing. your Holy Spirit uh, will animate us and will be our guide, will be our companion during this time of Lent. We pray that our heart, our mind, our spirit would be turned towards you. Jesus, I pray your blessing upon those who are listening with us at this time, that their families know your blessing and your peace. Almighty God, pour out his Holy Spirit as we begin this season of Lent. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Dave. Sure, Bob. God bless you. And thank you all for listening. Uh, God bless you on your Lenten journey. Please make sure you check out franciscan.edu slash Lent, franciscan.edu slash Lent. And, of course, we'd love to hear your stories, your comments, any prayer requests at hope at franciscan.edu. That's hope at franciscan.edu. God bless. Yeah.